all ninjas, calling all ninjas. It's time for Lime Ninja Radio. Today on Lime Ninja Radio. I don't like strain names. I mean, first of all, they're kind of ridiculous. I mean, there's names like <laughs> Purple Trainwreck and Sour Diesel and OG Kush. So here's what I'll tell you. There's no... I mean, the naming system has no rhyme or reason to it. You know, a lot of times they'll go off of smell, which isn't a very objective measure. Um, so I tell patients, you know, the strains sort of stem from recreational use. Uh, medically, it's sort of meaningless. This podcast is sponsored by the Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker. I'm so excited to tell you about our new Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker, One of the things I hear over and over again, whether it's talking to a patient in my office or consulting over the phone with a client, is just how difficult it is to keep track of progress on their Lyme journey. Recording symptoms daily or even weekly gives them too many data points. There are so many ups and downs, twists and turns that at some point they get lost and confused. The Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker takes all the guesswork out of tracking symptoms with a simple monthly questionnaire. Once a month is the perfect interval to see if that new supplement or protocol is working. Right now, when you take the Symptom Tracker questionnaire, we give you a simple composite score for the month. But we have big plans and the data you enter will not be lost as we roll out new features. Best of all, it's free. Just head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com slash tracker and sign up. That's LimeNinjaRadio.com slash tracker. You'll be glad you did. Join us every Thursday on iTunes for the latest episode of Lime Ninja Radio. Hello, I'm your host and acupuncturist, McKay Rippey, and this is episode number 168 with marijuana expert, Dr. Rachna Patel. Also welcome our show producer and the brains behind Lime Ninja Radio, Aurora. Hello, and in this week's episode... You will learn how cannabis can be used to alleviate pain, anxiety, and insomnia, why the balance of CBD to THC matters when addressing your symptoms, and why just plain old CBD oil is not necessarily the safest to use. Thank you, Aurora. Lyme disease is an international problem, and each week we get listeners from all over the world. This week, we have listeners from Falkirk to Tokyo and from Russia to Brazil. Yes. We're all over the world. (laughs) Yes, we are. Also, we like to bring you – actually, I'm going to change it this week a little bit, or I didn't tell you about this. Oh, you are. This is the top 10 thank yous. Oh, yes. I like that. I like that. So these are the top 10 cities with the most listens, and we're going to thank each city. Coming in at number 10, Greensboro, North Carolina. Number 9, Virginia Beach, Virginia. Number 8, Newport News, Virginia. Number 7, Rockville, Maryland. Number 6, Bluffton, Indiana. Number 5, Miami, Florida. Number 4, Olive Branch, Missouri. That's Mississippi. That's Mississippi? MS is Mississippi. Gosh darn it. I almost did that last time, too. Number three, Los (laughs) Angeles, California. Number two, Dade City, Florida. And number one, third week in the row. Third week in a row. Somebody please call us. Send us an email. Feedback at LimeNinjaRadio.com. What's going on there? Let us know what's going on in Bald Knob, 
Arkansas. Yes, please. Please let us know. We're dying to know why so many people are listening down there. We're very happy about it, and we thank you about it. We do thank you about it. we're really curious We're also very, very curious. (laughs) All right, Aurora. Tell us a little bit more about this week's guest, Dr. Patel. Dr. Rachna Patel graduated from Northwestern University and went to med school at Turo University College of Osteopathic Medicine. On one sleepless night, she came across a Craigslist ad requesting a medical marijuana physician. She was immediately intrigued and began researching and reading up on the medicinal uses of marijuana. A year and a half after she graduated med school, she opened her own practice in Walnut Creek, California, where she is the medical marijuana expert. Thanks, Aurora. And here's our interview with Dr. Rachna Patel. Dr. Rachna Patel, this is McKay Rippey from Lime Ninja Radio. Nice to meet you. Very nice to meet you as well. I have a question for you. What inspired you to get into medicine? Oh, gosh. So it goes, well, first of all, I always joke that uh, I'm, a, I'm the firstborn child in an Indian family. So Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> so, but um, uh, it, it, it really goes back to uh, how I was raised and where I grew up. So I have immigrant parents, right, that came to America not speaking a lick of English. And so uh, I grew up in the ghetto. Um, and it was, it was a great time growing up there. But um, I was in the fortunate position where my parents saved up enough where they, they very sort of um, uh, consciously made the choice to move to a suburb that had the best high school in the entire state of New Jersey. Um, because they wanted to, my brother and I, to have access to the best education. Um, you know, so that it can open up doors to opportunities. So at around age 12 is when I moved to the suburb. Now, you know, the way the American education system is set up, usually the best schools are in affluent neighborhoods, right? Affluent suburbs. Um, and so a lot, a lot of these, these students that I was around very well off, um, had very, uh, a lot of resources that they had access to. Right. Um, but, um, Here's the thing. For me, this education was a privilege. It was not something that I that I took for granted. And you know, I I, I worked hard in high school. I worked hard to to get myself into Northwestern University and then into medical school. And basically, my education really was a means to take this privilege uh, and give back. And so, so this is my means of giving back by being a doctor. That's a beautiful story. Yeah, thank you. And now you're a doctor and you're kind of feeling your way in. What's your specialty? Emergency medicine. An ER doc. Why cannabis? What got you interested in that? So here's what was going on while I was training in the area of emergency medicine. Um, 
Number one, so mainly what you see in the emergency room is pain. You see all kinds of pain, chest pain, back pain, uh, stomach pain. And a lot of times, um, you know, our job as an emergency medicine doctor is to rule out the, emer- uh, the, the most emergent cause. And then what we do is we send them off to their primary care doctor. And we send them off with some medications, right, pain medications. So what I found was that a lot of these patients who I was prescribing these medications to, they were coming back complaining of side effects from these medications. They were coming back, um, uh, a lot of them addicted to these medications, right? They would come into the emergency room to get their IV fix. Um, and then I was in the unfortunate position of having to resuscitate overdoses on, on a lot of these prescription pain medications. So, you know, you take a step back and it's like, all right, I'm not really solving any problem here. In fact, I have a hand in in creating the problem. So, um, one sleepless night, I was working a lot in residency, you know, close to, uh, to 100 hours a week. And so what happens is that... Um, you get wired. Uh, even if you're tired, you have a hard time sleeping. Um, and so just like any other insomniac, um, you're too tired to get work done, um, but you're too tired or, or, you know, you're too wired to, to fall asleep. So you surf the internet. <laughs> so of I was course. surfing the internet. <laughs> I, I, um, I was on Craigslist and, um, I happened on an ad that said medical marijuana doctor needed. And that piqued my curiosity, right? So I started looking into it. I started to to dive into the research. I started looking into, you know, what what the field is even like. Because up until that point, I had no idea that it existed. So a year later, um, what I found compelling from the research was that uh, medical marijuana had a lot of potential to treat chronic pain. Um, in a way where it was a much safer medication than the than what's available by prescription, um, and uh, the, the side effect profile uh, was was a lot lower when taken within certain bounds, um, and it's not lethal, right? So to me, it seemed like a much better option. So at that point, it was like, all right. I need to gain some clinical experience because the books can say one thing, but then when you actually go out into the real world, you know, it could, it could turn out to be something completely different. And so this is around 2012 where I signed up to work at a medical marijuana clinic. Um, and since then, there's been no turning back because of the, I really feel like medical marijuana has the potential to face, to change the face of medicine. Do you think in some ways, so this is a broader question, and this is my prejudice. So my training is in, as an acupuncturist in Chinese medicine. Do you think marijuana will be a wedge to enter in a little broader discussion on herbal medicine in general? You know what? I think okay. it can potentially open up doors to herbal medicines. Mm-hmm. Um, because more and more people, you know, a lot of the words that, that people use when they come into my office is that, you know, I want to use a more natural, um, uh, option. I want to use an alternative to prescription medications. Um, so, so it definitely opens doors. And interestingly enough, I have a lot of patients come in and ask me, not very many, cause I just specialize in the area of medical marijuana, but then they'll ask me, you know, do you know something about, um, uh, this particular, um, herb? 
herb or medicine, and that's yes. natural. Um, and unfortunately, I don't, but um, I always refer out to people who do. But it does open up a conversation. Just curious. And it's, they don't mean to get us too off track here. All right. So now you're deep into medical marijuana. You're starting to specialize in this. And chronic pain was your entree or pain. Let's not even say chronic pain, but pain is your entree into cannabis. And then from there, what else have you seen treated successfully aside from pain? Yeah. So the most common conditions that I treat are chronic pain, anxiety, and insomnia. Now, chronic pain is a fairly broad category, right? So, so the conditions that sort of, that I commonly treat within that umbrella are, uh, fibromyalgia, arthritis, uh, back pain, and migraines. So those are some of the more, more common conditions that I treat. And then insomnia. Is the cannabis just working with the cannabinoid receptors in the body, or in your research, is it having a broader effect? Um, so, okay. So the way the cannabinoid system works is that it does interact with the cannabinoid receptors, but there is research out there that, that shows that it's interacting with other receptors as well. Right now, specifically for insomnia, I don't have an answer to that question, but for, for anxiety, for instance, um, in animal models, it's been shown that, that marijuana interacts with what's called a 5H T1A receptor, which is a part of the, the serotonin pathway. So um, we're not quite there yet, but it, it does interact with, with other receptors uh, other than the, the cannabinoid receptors. And since we're talking about specific receptors here, the difference between, or not the difference, but the combination and separating out the THC from the CBD side of things do you see applications for uh, separate doses for like just the CBD or do you see really the THC and the CBD working together? Okay. So that depends on the condition, right? So some conditions can simply benefit from just CBD. Some conditions can benefit from just THC, but then there are conditions where um, you need both, both THC and CBD. Um, and the reasoning for this is that um, there's what's called a synergistic effect. Okay, so so one chemical enhances the effect of another chemical. So, but you know, both of the chemicals are working synergistically. And, and one example would be inflammation. Both THC and CBD have anti-inflammatory properties. So, when used together, there's an even greater anti-inflammatory effect. And how about insomnia? Um, insomnia, it's going to depend. It depends if it's mild to moderate insomnia versus uh, moderate to severe. Both of them I treat differently, and they benefit from a different combination of chemicals. And then how do you – what's the delivery system? There's a wide variety of delivery systems. <laughs> Other than smoking, of Yeah, course, right? so I generally don't recommend that, um, that patients smoke because smoking does do damage to the lungs long-term. Um, now, besides that, other methods of use, you have um, edibles, right? So, so we're talking about it goes way beyond that stereotypical pop brownie. Um, mm -hmm. the, the industry is fairly evolved. So you've, mainly you've got chocolates and gummies, but... Um, you know, it, there, it does go into the realm of 
um, gluten-free products, sugar-free products, vegan products even, especially in states where, uh, like California, Colorado, where it's a fairly um, established industry. And then there's also tinctures. Now, tinctures are basically um, medically what we call a sublingual formulation, right? So these are drops that you put under the tongue. Um, and then there's um, uh, vaporization, which is an alternative to smoking. And basically, it's heating the plant rather than burning it. Um, and then beyond that, there's also um, uh, topicals, right? So basically an ointment with marijuana extracted into it. And then there's also rectal and uh, vaginal formulations of marijuana as well. Now, which formulation works best? Again, it depends on the medical condition, right? So, for instance, anxiety. The person with anxiety is not going to benefit from a topical formulation of marijuana. That makes sense. Yeah. And how, how effective is the absorption uh, topically? Fairly effective, yeah. I've had I've had have patients, for instance. So it can be topicals can be used for for um, things like skin conditions, right? So I have patients with psoriasis, for instance, where um, they have a tendency where their skin tends to um, overproduce skin cells, right? So they get a, they get a lot of flakiness, a lot of peeling, underlying redness and swelling. Um, so it's helped with those symptoms in my patients with psoriasis. Um, it, it also helps with bone-related conditions, right? So arthritis is, is an example. Um, and uh, it also helps with muscle-related conditions as well. So fairly effective for, for, for skin, bone, and muscle-related conditions. Now, not all, but, um, uh, but you know, depending on the, on the patient's situation. But in general, that's, that's what I found effective. So... I see a lot of patients who basically their knees are almost all the way worn out, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. But not a hundred percent. They're not quite ready for the surgery, but they're going to head there and they're just trying to put it off a little while. Is that something where a topical would work? Yeah, it depends. on a Targeted application like that, or do you need? Yeah, so it depends on the severity, right? So um, if it's if it's like a mild to moderate pain, then yeah, the topical will work. But if it's more of a a, a severe pain, then you know some patients just you know the external application doesn't work, and they really need to use it internally. Internally. Now, here's my last question on internal. Now, for some. Things like uh, calcium absorption and and minerals like that, or some vitamins, there can be issues with uh, how much is actually getting absorbed mm-hmm. orally. Now, d- does the cannabis have those issues, or is it very well absorbed? Um, it's fairly well absorbed as long as you're taking the right dose. Um, mm-hmm. But I haven't had issues. Like the only issue I've run into is in, an, in a patient that has had a gastric bypass, for instance. Right, of course. And before we got started with the interview, when we're doing our warm up with each other, we're t- you talked about you have had some Lyme patients come in. Yeah, I and have. At, as you know, Lyme covers pain, anxiety, and insomnia. I mean, those are the three biggest complaints that I see listed over and over again with Lyme patients. So, tell me about your experience with treating Lyme with 
with cannabis? Yeah. So um, a couple different ways that it helps them. You know, it, it, again, it, it's it's more symptomatic relief rather than getting to the root of the problem. But um, those are the symptoms that, that it helps patients with. Anxiety, insomnia, pain. Um, uh, it, it helps them either with, you know, they have a lot of joint-related pain. Um, some of them have come in with even nerve-related pain as well. So it helps them with that. Um, uh, so those are the main areas that, it, that I've seen it help with. I once interviewed a young woman out on the West Coast. I think she was in Washington. Anyway, she had horrible brain fog and uh, neurological impairment. And she, she had what she called brain uh, word salad, I'm sorry, where she would think, be able to think of a sentence, but as she spoke, it just came out completely tossed like a, like a salad. And she used the, the, she was using cannabis to straighten her thinking out. She says, whenever I take this, it just settles down my brain enough that my words come out as I mean them to come out. So what's, what's going on there? So really interesting that you bring that up because recently at Harvard, there was a, a study done on the effects of marijuana on cognition, right? So cognition are things like planning, um, preparing for something, remembering things. Um, so, so these are higher level executive functions that are really important in today's, you know, day to day, day functioning. So they, they, they did a battery of tests on non-marijuana users and then marijuana users. And these are fairly complicated tests. So let me give you an example. One of them was called the Stroop word color test. Okay. And basically the way that test works is that there's three parts. In the first part, you're given a sheet of paper with a bunch of X's, and the X's are in different colors. And basically, you're instructed to say out loud the color that the X's are printed in. Okay, so fairly simple enough. Second part of the test, you're given a sheet of paper, and you're given a bunch of words on a, on a piece of paper. They're printed in black and white. And um, they're, they're the names of colors. Right. So basically, your objective is to just go down the list and read these words. Again, simple enough. Third part of the test, they add an element of complexity. So you get a sheet of paper and it has a bunch of words printed on it. And again, these are these are the names of colors, but they're printed in different colors. Right. So right. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So the, the, <laughs> the, the word red will not be printed in the color red. It may be printed in the color green, in the color blue. And so what you have to do is you have to say the name of the color that the word is printed in. Right. So that gets tricky because your mind will want to just read the word. Um, uh, rather than saying the, the color that the word is printed in. And so it's, it's, it's difficult enough as it is. Um, and, and interestingly enough, now this is a small sample population. We're talking about 11 people and there, and it was just a pilot study. They're trying to recruit more people for the study, but they found that at the end that the marijuana users overall performed better than the non-marijuana users. And these were people that had been using marijuana for a period of three months, um, on average five to seven days a week. So, and they also did not sacrifice accuracy for speed. So those are the two things that they were mainly looking at is accuracy and speed. 
So I found that very, very interesting uh, because it's counter to the sort of misconception out there that, um, you know, that marijuana, uh, it can it can make you lazy, you know, it can um, uh, impact your, you know, academic performance. Um, so, so to go back to this person that you're talking about, you know, it may be uh, enhancing their cognitive performance. Well, she clearly uh, credits it with absolutely not only enhancing, but just enabling, enabling her to function normally. Yeah. Well, the other aspect of it is, is that, you know, when you have anxiety, anxiety can be paralyzing. And so, you know, when you can help manage that anxiety in people, um, uh, you know, I have patients coming in telling me that, hey, you know, I'm performing better at work because I'm not as anxious and I can I can just, you know, do my instead of focusing on the worst case scenario, instead of my mind focusing on the fear, I'm able to focus on the task at hand and am able to get it done. So, um, uh, so that's great. You know, it, it, it helps them basically get their mind off of the fear. Is marijuana used with depression? Um, you know, clinically what I found is that the pharmaceutical medications work a lot better than marijuana. Uh, marijuana certainly does give a euphoric effect, but it's very short-lived. We're talking about a span of a couple hours. So it may help to elevate mood for a couple hours, but it, there's no sort of long-term benefit there. Interesting. Now, and we were you were hinting at this a little bit mm-hmm. earlier, th- th- kind of the threshold between, because so we talked about the young woman who the marijuana is helping sort her brain out. I had a roommate in college uh-huh. who went who went the other way. Now, yeah. obviously, at, at some point, there's there's too much. So, what what is too what is too much? And obviously, that's why rather than self prescribing and experimenting, right, going out to Colorado and just buying a bunch of product, you know, having somebody like you to supervise what's going on can can for people who are worried about the side effects and the stigma about it. Yeah. So one of the main components of side effects is dosing. Okay. So basic concept that applies to all medications, right? So there are different dosing ranges. Okay. So you have a subtherapeutic dosing range where the dose is too little, it's not doing anything. Then you have a toxic dosing range where the dose is too much, it's causing side effects. And then you have your sort of sweet spot, which is called the therapeutic window. And that's where you're getting the medical benefits without experiencing the side effects. Now, most people who use, you know, in high school and college, they're typically overdoing it, right? And just the same way that they tend to overdo it with alcohol as well. So that's why they're experiencing side effects, right? So excess amounts of marijuana can, can um, certainly cause uh, what's called the amotivational syndrome, you know, where you get sort of couch lock, you're kind of mindlessly like, I don't know, eating a bag of popcorn and watching a movie, you know, uh, you're not actually being productive. So that's, I would consider a, a toxic um, dose that, that that person consumed. Then what about, let's talk about the, the big picture. What, what about some of the, our older folks here who just, you know, marijuana may have well have been heroin 
you know, in terms yeah. of social aid. It's yeah. like you just wouldn't touch it. And it, you know, it still seems way out there and they're a little afraid of it. And, you know, t- times have changed or times are changing. And where do you see that going with uh, local laws? And do you think it'll be a national issue or it's state to state? And, you know, if somebody really wants to experiment with, you know, they've tried so many other things and it hasn't helped and they've heard from other people how marijuana has helped. Where, where can they go? How can they, you know, if it's not legal yet in their state, what can they do? Yeah, so that's a tough situation. Um, I Here's what I'll tell you. 29 um, of the states at this point have legalized marijuana for either medical or recreational use. And obviously, there's more states that have legalized for medical as opposed to recreational use. So so that's a good number of people in the United States uh, that in, in some way, shape, or form, at least on the books, um, have access to, to some form of marijuana, right? Now, the laws may be on the books, but but logistically, there may be no sort of dispensary um, there or no system there to actually go and purchase uh, uh, medical marijuana. I know that was the case in Massachusetts, where for the longest time, medical marijuana was legal, but there you could only buy it on the black market. <laughs> there was no, you know, there was no means to buy it legally. Um, so essentially, basically, it, it decriminalized it. And so, you know, as long as you had a card from a doctor, you could you could possess it. So so that is it. We're making forward progress. Um, and, um, you know, that's a tough question, because obviously, you want to abide by the, the rules and regulations of your state. Um, right. Uh, so, it, I mean, that's what I would well, suggest. Let's, I, yeah, I don't want to put you, I don't want you to put you know, trying to say, yeah, you know, go down to the street corner and see what you can do. But are there clinics where you can travel and residential clinics where travel and stay and try this stuff out? Or are there things like that? Not that I know of, but here's okay. what I can tell you. In states like Colorado, California, um, uh, you don't have to be a resident of the state to, to walk into a dispensary. You know, it, any anybody can walk in as long as they're over the age of 21. So you go and take a three-week vacation and see what you can do. <laughs> <laughs> That's an option. <laughs> I'm not recommending that, but it's an option. Okay. but And that gets into – so with the, the dispensary – like here in New York – they recently legalized it. Yep. And I know they're still trying to get organized around the dispensaries and the growing facilities. Now, I grew up in a city in Washington, D.C., literally in the city, not quote unquote city, but there's no grass on the front yard, cement in the backyard, little tiny house. I'm living now on 30 acres out in New York. And it's finally, I'm learning what it takes to grow plants. Plants are not a widget. That's not a car coming off a factory. They vary in the different yes. chemicals makeup from plant to plant. How, how do on the medical side of things you standardize and make sure you're getting what you think the patient can need? Cause it's, it's not like a pharmaceutical where they have exacting standards. Is yeah. That correct or? Yeah. So here's. The advantage of living in a state that has re- that has legalized for at least recreational use, these states typically mandatorily require laboratory testing of the products. 
So there's a label on every product that's telling you the exact amounts of CBD, THC, other cannabinoids. Um, Oftentimes, they also mandate testing for pesticides, levels of pesticides and fungicides. Um, They're also mandating testing for, for absence or presence of bacteria and or fungus as well. So um, that's typically how I'm able to guide patients is go based off of that laboratory testing. And, you know, every plant differs in the amount of the different cannabinoids that they make based on their genetics and in the environment in which the plants were grown as well. So um, so there's a wide variety of, of, of combinations of CBD and THC. Um, but that, yeah, like I said, when you go to a dispensary, that that specifically licensed to dispense marijuana um, in certain states, you have these rules and regulations in place that um, that are to the benefit of the consumer. So, do you have a favorite variety or a variety you find works better for different things? Um, do you mean? Are you talking about strains? Strains, yes. Yeah. So i I don't like strain names. I mean, first of all, they're kind of ridiculous. I mean, there's names like <laughs> Purple Trainwreck and Sour Diesel and OG Kush. So here's what I'll tell you: There's no. I mean, the naming system has no rhyme or reason to it. You know, a lot of times they'll go off of smell, which isn't a very objective measure. Um, so I tell patients. You know, the strains sort of stem from recreational use. Uh, medically, it's sort of meaningless. Um, medically, you really want to go off of objective data, which is which are the laboratory test results. So what do you want to look for in a lab result to make sure you're getting a good quality? Um, so, so the things that I mentioned, right? So the amounts of the CBD and THC, uh, you want to make sure it's the right combination for whatever set of, of symptoms or conditions that you're dealing with. Um, and can you give a, a, a range for that now? Is that asking you to be too specific off the top of your head? Um, let's see. I can give you some examples. Um, That'd be great. In, in patients that have... Um, uh, spasticity, right? So a severe form of muscle spasms. Uh, this, this is a very common symptom in patients with multiple sclerosis. They benefit from high amounts of CBD, right? So so that's what they would look for. They would look for a product that's high in CBD, low in THC. Now, typically during the consultation, I'm, I'm getting very specific in terms of how high relative to the THC the CBD should be. But it, generally speaking, um, it, you know, they benefit from higher amounts of CBD because CBD has antispasmodic properties, right? So it helps to relax muscles. So that's just an example. Um, uh, I can give you another example as well. Um, anybody who's, who's struggling with, uh, with nausea, um, typically they benefit from, um, uh, from THC. So, um, so it's really going to come down to the, the medical condition and really the combination of medical conditions that the person has. Now, we're seeing just plain CBD oil from hemp yeah. show up all over the place now. Is that something people can give a try without too much worry of side effects or do you recommend caution? I would recommend caution. Here's why. There, there's a, a really great YouTube video that I've put up on my on my YouTube channel um, that's titled How to Buy CBD Oil. Um, and, and I would recommend caution because a lot of these products are sold off of websites on the internet that are not accountable to anybody. 
And so the FDA ran some random tests on a lot of these products, and they found that, number one, um, the product made a certain claim on the label that, oh, it has this amount of CBD. But then when they actually ran the tests, you know, the amounts, like say it said 21% CBD, but then when they actually ran the test, it had like 0.00, you know, 0.03% CBD in it. So negligible amounts where, you know, it wouldn't do anything. Um, and then there have been cases where they've actually found higher amounts of, of THC. Now, from a legal standpoint, hemp has less than 0.3% THC. Right, so a lot of these products actually had more than more than that, um, and so clinically speaking, I have had patients, you know, come in who've who've tried these products, and they'll tell me that it didn't work or that I got high off of it, and now it makes mm-hmm. sense, right? It, it makes sense mm-hmm. why. So, and overall, the other thing that I found is that um, in terms of potency of CBD, um, that when they ran these tests. Uh, the products that you find at medical marijuana dispensaries are a lot more potent in the CBD compared to the products that are that are derived from hemp, you know, that are sold off these websites. Now, does everybody need a really potent <clears throat> CBD product? No. But in certain cases, um, that you know, they would benefit from from the higher amount of the uh, of the CBD. So it, when I say higher amount, I mean higher potency of the CBD. So I would I would purchase these products with extreme caution. I would uh, do everything within my means to to sort of vet the company. You know, ask for things like a laboratory test results. Ask them if they're accountable to anybody. Um, ask them what sort of results the people that have used their products have experienced. Um, so so do your research before you just you know buy a product. So here's my last question in that vein. I have noticed that some massage therapists are starting to use a topical CBD oil. And if something like that generally safe because of the, you know, just the lack of intensity of the absorption through the skin there? Well, it depends. I mean, if you're applying it all over the body, then there's a greater likelihood of absorption. You know, realize that the skin is the body's largest organ, right? And so if you apply it to a small area, then yeah, there's, there's less of a likelihood of there, you know, being a large amount absorbed into your system. But, (laughs) but if you're applying it, massaging the whole body with it, then, then yeah, you could, um, uh, you know, if you drug tested somebody, then you, you may end up with cannabinoids being detected. Okay. So if you're an athlete, don't do that. An athlete who's going to get tested. <laughs> Dr. Patel, thank you. You've been so generous with your time. I really appreciate you sharing your knowledge with us in this new and exciting field of medicine. And I'd like to give you the last word. How can folks get in touch with you and any parting wisdom or advice you have? Yeah, sure. So there's a couple ways that they can get in touch with me. One is through my YouTube channel. Um, and if your listeners just Google the medical marijuana expert YouTube, it should show up on the first page of, of the Google search results. Um, and then there's also my website, which is Dr. Rachna, R-A-C-H-N-A Patel, P-A-T-E-L dot com. And um, I'm very active in, in answering um, 
uh, comments on um, uh, my YouTube channel. So your listeners are more than welcome to post their, their questions there. Oh, that's a great idea. So if they just go over to YouTube, find a video and post a question, yep. you'll get back to them. Yeah. And there's plenty of information. I don't have anything specifically on Lyme disease, but when it comes to the symptoms of Lyme disease, there's plenty of videos on things like uh, anxiety, sleep, uh, nerve-related pain, joint-related pain as well. Fabulous. I know if a lot of people out there, if they could get one of those under control, they would feel a lot better. Dr. Patel, thanks so much. Yeah, thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Did you know there's a Stroop Effect app out there in the world? No. What's the Stroop Effect? I know what an app is. Yeah, no. We were talking about the Stroop Effect earlier about... Or Dr. Patel was talking about yeah, the Stroop Effect. she was. Of- I was nodding politely. <laughs> like I knew what she was talking about. So he, she was. So the Stroop Effect is a test for kind of cognitive and executive function. So how oh, well right. your brain can operate doing like. Like the test she was talking about. Yes, exactly. The, That's. The word red. Yes. Printed in green, and you have to tell them what color it is. Yes, exactly. Okay. So there's an app for that. Of because, course. of course, there's an app for everything. I'm just reminded because that was one of the things that inspired me to get my brain fog under control in California was I downloaded this you tested Stroop your- Effect app. Yeah. So it's a test. It's a test. Oh. It's a, it's a medical test. And I was at... Not great levels of cognitive you function. Fog. You were in a home with mold. Lots of mold. It wrecked your brain. Yes, it? yes, it really did. It really did. Test your homes for mold. And if you want to have just a very, it's actually very easy, just a very easy brain function kind of test, go find that Stroop effect called S-T-R-O-O-P. It's just a, very quick little test. And while you're over at iTunes, <laughs> yeah. getting your Stroop Effect app, if you like what we're doing here at Lime Ninja Radio, leave us a review. We would really, really appreciate it. And also, if you have some feedback for us, love us, hate us, just don't ignore us. Send the feedback to feedback at limeninjaradio.com. That's the word feedback at limeninjaradio.com. And we will answer you. Promise. We read every email. We do. Also, if you don't know your Lyme score yet. And why not? And why not? Hasn't everybody (laughs) taken the Lyme? No, they haven't. Do yourself a favor and head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com front slash tracker and fill out the Lyme Ninja symptom tracker. It's free. It's a great tool. You should be using it. We are just about done our top 10 transcripts. I've got seven done. We want to do a total of the top ten, and there are three bonus transcripts. We're wrapping it up. I said a week last week, and I think maybe another week. (laughs) It just the editing takes so long. Changing the word from the word, the written word, the spoken word to the written word word, into the written word. The editing just takes a long time because there, I have not expunged all the filler words from my vocabulary. (laughs) Yes. And like, then, you know, 
I think, kind of. Um, um, yeah. For so, example. In breaking news, it takes a lot of work to write a book. It does take a lot. <laughs> we'll let you know when it's done. It's going to be soon. It's going to be fabulous. They're the most popular episodes in written form, so you can go search them, highlight them, print them out for your friends. Read them and reread them. It's great stuff. It's going to be wonderful. I think... It's it's probably going to be like 150 pages long, too. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be. A- it's a pretty dense document when all is said and done. Also, if you are in the neighborhood of Maine, Midcoast, Maine, come visit. We're going to be up at the Lyme Conference, the Midcoast Lyme Conference, April 28th. I'm going to be the MC. Please come by. We'd love to see you, meet you, and maybe sign a top 10 transcript book. <laughs> We'll see if we can get some printed up by then, right? <laughs> All right. And last, as you longtime Lime Ninjas know, this podcast would not be complete unless we left you with the Lime Ninja fact of the day. Did you know when ninjas finish a workout, the gym takes a break? Lime Ninja Radio is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized medical advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's medical situation is unique and Lime Ninja Radio should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized medical advice. Lime Ninja Radio is not licensed to render medical advice and should be considered simply the public opinion of Lime Ninja Radio and its guests. Recommendations on specific treatment options are not intended to address any listener's particular medical situation. As always, contact your physician before considering any new treatment.